1: Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
0: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here for the second part of our roster review show. And this is a, the roster evaluation at midseason that we do always. And uh, we're gonna talk about the offense today. And here to join us is Brian McFarlane for RSR Brian. Hi, Brian, how you doing? Good, good, Ken. How are you today? Always always a pleasure uh, to have you on to talk about these kind of things. Lots of if you want to understand nuance of the salary cap, Brian's your guy. Make sure you follow him at, at Ravens salary Cap on Twitter. And uh you'll get all sorts of information. If you ever have a question, he he always responds very quickly uh about specific contract situations and nobody has the ravens information at a higher level. So you you're you'd be very well served to, to ask Brian what your questions is specifically about the Ravens, if there's some kind of NLTBE bonus or uh some kind of nuance about the way that injured reserve works, and and that's been changing a lot the last couple of years. We've had some interesting conversations about that did we ever figure out Brian by the way if it's eight guys can come back from injured reserves or do any of them have to be actually designated the way they do
2: it no I mean once once you are once you're on the roster, as long as you're on the roster week one and, or after final cutdowns before going on IR you can be brought back you can technically and it wouldn't happen now but you you can a player can be brought back twice if they were brought back hurt again obviously at this point of the season, that's not going to happen with anyone um, that they have now. And, but you have the eight and I think they've only used. I'm trying Col- to out who they have used. <laughs> Cole Kohler would be the only one because Bowser and uh, Bowser was on PUP. So he doesn't count towards that. And, um, and, um, and uh, Ajabo was on NFI. So he doesn't count mm-hmm. towards that. So, uh if if Dobbins for, was P U P, right? Uh no, Dobbins was on the roster. So so they would need so they'll there'll be a space for him, Marcus Williams, uh John Ross, but they really they're in good shape as far as that goes, in case they have another injury that they so they're they're pretty good shape with that. so I guess that would be four. So they would still have four more spots to go. And and you
0: have to get injured pretty soon and pretty not
2: seriously at this point to be back right. by the end of the season. Yeah. Correct. So you have to sit and, out the three weeks, right.
0: Does, does that does that period extend
2: into the postseason? Such yes. That yeah, OK. Yeah. So you would have to sit out if if you if you I mean, you could technically get hurt in late December and go on. Um, and then, you know, you'd have to sit out three weeks. But if that took out the first week of the playoffs and you were healthy for the second week and they're still playing, then you could come back at that point. All right. Very cool. Well, I promise we talk about the offense today. There's one enormous topic
0: on the offense that we, we'll, we'll probably just lead off with here since it drives so much else. Um, there's, we're going to go into the various categories. If you've listened to the show before, you know the young producer category, the developmental, et cetera. If you haven't, make sure you go back and download the defensive pod because I think we did a better job of explaining it the first time through. You'll, you'll understand what those categories are. The other choices to go out to the website, get the article, download that. Um, or, or just read that online, I should say. Um, that's uh, also a good place to, to see these things defined. But the towering shadow of Batman over the entire uh, offense and, frankly, the entire team's cap situation is the Lamar Jackson contract.
2: Yeah, obviously, um, you know, it plays a huge role in their, their salary cap if they have to franchise him. And I'm assuming they would use the exclusive franchise tag. Um, that's going to be 44 to 47 million in that range um, that number could come down some because um, it's based on the top five cap numbers for the position next year um, if any player um if any i'm sorry if any corner if any of those top five restructure their deals before the first day of the league year then they would drop off of that list and would reduce it well, one one that's an obvious one is Deshaun Watson is clearly going to restructure his deal, um, or maybe it's the maybe it's the the last day of the franchise tag. It is the last day of the franchise tag. Well, I don't think Cleveland's going to do us any favors and mm-hmm. restructure him before that. Um, other teams may not be may not care so much. They're doing their business. They're not worried about uh, us. But I have a feeling Cleveland would very much um, wait on that as long as they could and get past that deadline. So. Um, So, yeah, I mean, obviously, if he's counting 47 million on the cap, that's a huge hit. Um, If he signs a long term deal, that number is probably around where it is this year, 23 million, um, because he's going to get such a sizable signing bonus. It could be even lower if they really wanted to do it that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you figure. If he were to get a 60 million dollar signing bonus and I'm not saying it's going to be that high. But that prorates to twelve million a year because it it can be divided by five years. So that twelve million counts on the cap. If they give them a minimum contract, it would be a little over thirteen million. I don't think they're going to take it that low when you're talking about an average of fifty, because that would put some really high cap numbers on the back end. But certainly into the twenties. Uh, maybe even to the low 30s, and that's certainly better than 47 million. So um, but that's they've got to they've gotta bridge that gap of the uh, guaranteed versus not guaranteed deal. Just looked, just had a, a
0: pod recently about the possibility of the Ravens trading Jackson. And you know, I guess first of all, I'd ask you, is it more likely they'd trade Jackson entering this year or entering 2024? Sorry, entering 23 or 24.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with Lamar. Mm-hmm. Um, if Lamar says, hey, you know, I'm not signing anything less than a fully guaranteed deal. And if you're not going to give me a fully guaranteed deal, then maybe it makes sense to find somebody who will. Um, and let's let me go. Um, you know, or I mean, yep, if he's on the franchise tag, now most quarterbacks on the franchise tag still show up for OTAs and things like that. And obviously last year Lamar did not do that, or this past year, I should say this past spring. So, um, you know, that, that, and of course he could hold out partially into training camp if he wanted to. Um, so, and that obviously creates even more problems. So uh, I think he's the driver of that, you know, if, if a trade is going to happen, I think it comes to him going to them. And, you know, they've, they, they you know, they did it with Orlando Brown. They did it with, with uh, Marquise. Um, uh, Marquise and they did it with Hearst. Uh, you know, they, if guys don't want to, I mean, uh, to at some point said, if guys don't want to be here, you know, we'll, we'll find a way to, you know, get them out of here and get value for them. So then the question is, is somebody going to offer value? Do you, think, do you think this is a situation
0: that even could be kept quiet if the Ravens were to make inquiries? I mean, the Marquise Brown trade, I think, surprised people on draft day. And I'm not saying that, that there weren't people who knew that, that he was unhappy with his situation, but I, I really question whether or not, if the Ravens are trying to get top value and they have to go to more than one team to discuss it, if the other teams are even going to be incented to really keep it quiet and say, yeah, we, we put in a three first round draft pick offer. We don't know why they didn't take ours or you know, that's, that's too late. That's not the right time frame for that. But if they, right. if they, if, you know, if they, if they say, look, we think we made a perfectly reasonable offer to Baltimore on, on Lamar. And then that's the kind of thing where Lamar says, Oh, really? You're trying to trade me. I didn't even know that. Right. Kind of thing. And, and they wouldn't do
2: that. They would, they
0: would talk. No, I,
2: I would, I would think so because part of, part of any, possible trade because I you know no team is going I don't think in this case but no team's giving up three or four or whatever you know uh high draft picks very high draft picks without feeling that they can bridge that gap with Lamar and get him signed now if they're willing to give him fully guaranteed contract then obviously that that's a huge step in that direction if the Ravens aren't um I, I'm not sure I mean I know a lot of fans feel that he deserves it. I, I don't know what that means exactly, uh, what deserves means. But, um, you know, I'm not sure there's another team out there that's that's the Cleveland Browns that, is that, that are that, that's that desperate. But I, it does only take one, granted.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, the the other team was the Saints this last year that was really in on the on the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes.
2: And I don't know who else was. The Falcons, yeah. The Falcons, okay. And none, so, of, none of them would get fully guaranteed.
3: Okay.
2: He, if my memory serves correct – Watson favored going to Atlanta until Cleve, and he, he did not want to go to Cleveland until they came in with fully guaranteed. And that quickly changed his mind. Interesting.
0: Okay. Well, that might be part of the process then is, you know, Lamar doesn't have an agent. I don't know who's allowed to do that, but if, if he Well, says, that's an
2: interesting question. I, that's a good guy.
0: I, I have no idea. <laughs>
1: okay. So yeah. if,
0: if, if, the, if the Ravens say, you know what, we're open to this, go out and make your own deal. Can I mean is is there any risk of any tampering concern or anything? Or once the Ravens have given their their blessing on it, can Lamar himself talk to
2: other teams and say, "Hey, look, I'm looking for a guaranteed two hundred fifty million dollar deal." Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, Yeah, because usually it's the agent that's that's out there. And of course, if he has an agent, if he had an agent, you know, the agent might because you know there's tampering going on all the time. Uh, You know, it's just what level does it rise rise to? So. Uh, you know, in that case, I could, if he hasn't, because, you know, this could have been done if he had an agent that said, look, I've, you know, I've kind of poked around and there's no team out there that's going to give you fully guaranteed. So, you know, this offer you're getting for Baltimore is great. I'm not saying it's happened, you know, would happened this way, but, and if there is a team out there, then yeah, it works the other way. Yeah. You know, um, I don't think it's Miami now, but Atlanta, you know, Atlanta's, you know, Atlanta would be, willing to uh you know to go fully guaranteed that's that's what i'm hearing you know but without the agent you're so it could work either way i guess it could work for the ravens benefit or against the ravens benefit i don't think carolina
0: has made they didn't they didn't give baker mayfield a long-term deal did they
2: no no they he's just there one year so they're another team looking for a quarterback for sure so
0: so hopefully you got to have two bidders to to have any kind of auction situation work which is which is going to be a you know A a point for Lamar and a point for the team in terms of of his ability to find that kind of a contract. If everybody else has said no on the deal, I remember the question. Okay, I got to ask you this question. I've been racking my brain for the last two minutes trying to (laughs) remember the question that was very important to me to ask. Okay, so we have talked about this before, so I know this to be the case, is that the entire value of that contract needs to be escrowed by the team in terms of the guaranteed money.
2: Yeah. So so the, the only thing that would not be escrowed because it's being paid immediately is the big signing bonus and the first year salary. But by the first day of the league year, the following year, all of that money has to be put in escrow. So yeah, you know, just using brown numbers, if the total deal is 250, uh-huh. he gets a $60 million signing bonus um, and a million dollar salary, then the balance of that uh, so what's that? One eighty nine, and one eighty nine. Yeah, one eighty nine. Yep. Would by the uh, by uh, by the first day of the league year, the following year, has to be escrowed.
0: Okay. Here is the key question, and this this deals with the fact that owners don't have necessarily all their money in cash. So you, you, Steve Buscotti is rumored to have about six point four billion dollars. That obviously changes for everyone, you know, fairly rapidly in in you know a volatile market and whatnot. But a guy who did a short with me was, was, was suggesting that he might only have $80 million in cash. I have no way of knowing if that's true or not. It seems a little on the low end for me as, as it would be only like 1.5% mm-hmm. that, that, that he would have or even less than that. But, but let's say he did only have $80 million in cash. Here's the question. Can that escrow account include mark-to-market assets that there effectively is a margin call on to bring them up to the required value. It seems like owners would really want that not to have to not put cash out there, but they can put stock in in flying J or whatever other companies they own, or even a portion of the team you, you might put up as an asset.
2: Yeah, I don't, I think it's cash. Um, but I don't know because this is never really, these kind of numbers have never really been an issue until, I mean, I guess, uh, to a lesser extent, um, cousins uh, in Minnesota but and that was his 90 billion uh, mm-hmm. when we we're talking 250. but you know I always go back to I don't care how rich the owner is per se. The, most of them are not digging into their pockets for anything. Mm-hmm. This is coming out at the, the the team revenue. This is coming. I, you know, the days of, you know, we you know always heard that Art Modell got a loan to sign Andre Risen the year before he, you know, before they, they became the Ravens. Well, he didn't, he didn't get a loan himself. He personally guaranteed the loan. Right. As opposed to the team guaranteeing it. So very few. Now, I mean, certainly the richer owners, it does come into play sometimes because, you know, Bishotti doesn't take a penny from the team, you know, or his, his salary is one dollar, something like mm-hmm. that. So, because he has plenty of money, he doesn't have to take a salary because this isn't his his livelihood. Whereas a Mike Brown in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. it is his livelihood, and it was Modell's livelihood. I mean, those are guys that bought these teams for for next to nothing, quote unquote, compared to what they're worth now, um, and their wealth their wealth is the team. Um, and that's where it becomes for teams like that. So the Joe Burrow thing will be very interesting. I don't see how Mike Brown is going to put up 250 million in escrow or, or 200 or whatever it might be. Uh, same with Spanos um, in in LA uh, for for Herbert. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so uh, they're a little different because that's again, the, you know, all lineage going back to Spanos' father and family. Um, so you know that's that's their wealth, which makes it a lot harder. Whereas Bashadi's not digging in his pocket for any of this stuff,
0: right? I, I and I can see that. And and uh, you know, borrowing the money is one thing, but borrowing the money now has an interest component, and and it's not a really low interest component as it has been for for a number of years here sure. now, right? And so it's it's a different uh, um, uh, proposition right. than, than it used to be. So I the the mark to market assets. You know, seem to me a, a natural way to get by that problem. I'm just wondering if it's not part of the CBA yeah. now, maybe it should be. Yeah, I mean, I that's something yeah. that the owners could get
2: if well, be a lot more. None extra. of this this funding rule, I don't believe, is part of the CBA. That is the owners' rule. The owners could get rid of it at any time. Huh. They don't. They don't want to because it's our part. It's all, again part of the revenue sharing and part of their their internal agreement because if you remember before the last cba or actually i think it was two cbas ago there was a there was the players are like you guys got to get your house in order you got to get your revenue sharing figured out owners once you get that figured out then we can talk about the cba Hmm. um and that's where the part of even before they could get to the cba you had the mike browns of the world versus the jerry joneses of the world uh you know and jerry jones doesn't want to share his profit a lot of his profits because his profits are, are way more. Uh, at least what has to be shared with the league, what has to be shared in the you know within with the other owners putting into that pot, that revenue sharing pot. So, um, so that's where it, it definitely becomes an issue. I because again I, because of the mecha- I don't know the exact mechanics of it as far as when you're talking about writing a two hundred and fifty million dollar check, so to speak, um, whether that is something that the teams would borrow. Um, and then you know, and, and that yeah, obviously against the assets of the team, right. um, because of just because of the huge, huge amount of it. I mean, Cousins at ninety million. Uh, granted, that's been years ago, so it wasn't two hundred million, but it was still a, a good chunk of change. Um, and maybe percentage wise, it would have been similar. And I think it still would have been less. But so yeah, I'm not sure the exact mechanics of that.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because I'm not sure. There probably are things that that footballs run like a normal business in terms of, you know, your debt creates a tax shield and you get a benefit from that. But I think of that as not really being the case for a lot of NFL teams, which are probably run completely on a cash basis.
2: Or, I, I, I would, yeah, I would think so with the with the amount of money that's there. Yeah, um, yeah I, I would certainly think so.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's like, what do you invest in if you borrow in a business that all has complete revenue sharing? So what what do I, you know, you know, I could make some investment that will take, you know, maybe it's stadium renovations. So maybe there is something like that, 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 uh, you know, provides value to them. All right. Let's move on to the rest of the team here because we've, we've, we've talked about Lamar, but if if, maybe, maybe I'll ask you to put a stake in the ground is where, where is your midpoint expectation of where Lamar's contract ends up in terms of total dollars and guaranteed dollars? And we'll assume it's a five-year deal.
3: Right.
2: So I, I mean I think from the reports that came out in September once uh first week of the season once it was the you know the, the negotiations are over now um he was and we don't know all the little nuance but he was offered the most average per the highest average per year the highest guaranteed other than Watson. Mm-hmm. Um and so uh, you know based on those the 250 million seems to be the right spot. You know, obviously how he, how this year plays out, they win a Super Bowl. Obviously that maybe that pushes it to sixty million a year, you know, or or fifty, certainly fifty five, you know. Um, so I think he, you know, and and we don't know about the signing bonus, for instance. Now the way the Ravens have always done things, they give a lot of upfront cash. That's the way they keep those those salary cap numbers low. And it seems it seems kind of the opposite. But you give a lot of you give a big signing bonus and that allows you to spread that out over the years. So it's upfront money, but you can keep that first year cap number low. So, I mean, it, you know, it's a question of uh, that that get bridging that gap between, you know, 130 million guaranteed and, and the whole thing, 250, whatever it would be. Guaranteed. That's, I mean, that's really probably the only issue, um, really, and when it, that's what it comes down to. And can they bridge that gap? Is you know, will he accept two hundred? You know, if they went up to yeah. two hundred, would they would would that be close enough for him, or is he dead set on it's it's you know, fully guaranteed or or I'll play my I'll play the tags out and and go from there, right? Or I'll even demand a trade
0: and or that that make it right. difficult. So I, I hopefully. Hopefully no value gets destroyed. I mean, I, I would really hate to see Lamar Jackson leave. But even worse than that, I'd hate to see Lamar Jackson be unhappy, not be able to get out. And that be a case of there's a huge gap not only between Lamar and the Ravens, but also between the Ravens, what they think of Lamar's value right, and what they can get otherwise. And, you know, my own feeling is they, they have one of the most valuable Individuals in the entire National Football League, and it's no probably worth about five thousand JJ points if I had to make the trade, and that's the equivalent right. of getting the number one and three overall picks. Right, that'd be fifty two hundred. So, right. Uh, uh, one other point that comes up with Lamar is the is Burrow. Um, so Burrow is going to be up in one more year at the same point Lamar was at the beginning of this year. Meaning the fifth year option. I guess they've already picked up on him, right?
2: No, because he's only he's, in his, third he's year. in his third year. Right. So he he and okay. Herbert are both eligible for extensions at the after the last game of the regular season. Um, now, of course, we kind of thought Lamar would get done at that point as well. And it didn't happen. So, of course, that was also pa- the pandemic year when the cap dropped substantially. So now you've got the cap going up substantially and you got Herbert and Burrow coming in as the the next top quarterbacks in line to get, you know, to get a top of the market deal. So, you know, if those two deals come in and they're not, if they come in and Lamar's, if Lamar gets tagged, let's just say, and mm-hmm. those guys get their deals done sometime next spring and summer, and they're not fully guaranteed. I, I don't know how Lamar can keep saying fully guaranteed, um, uh, you know, and maybe that gets it done. If it, if it, if it, if it, if it has to get to that point, mm-hmm. um, ideally that'd be, but that by then Lamar has been on your cap for 40, you know, 45 million. Um, and, you know, right. if those deals get done in the summer, then, you know, your off season's pretty much over at that point for, you know, you what cap space you could have used. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously it's a timing thing, but uh, like I said, I, I'd be hard pressed to think either of those owners are, are whether they're in a position or not, but they're, they're certainly also owners that aren't just, they're not exactly the most generous, I guess we'll say, owners out there as far as uh, contracts go. Yeah.
0: It'll, it definitely is going to be interesting to see what happens in Cincinnati and and how that gets resolved because I think it, there was a guy who had on my show who had talked to the agent for Joe Burrow and he said he said,
2: you know, if if we're negotiating today, it's fifty five million per year all guaranteed. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure I I, I get that that's the starting point. I, I totally understand that. I just you know I mean you know it burrows bet on himself before by by transferring you know so in college so um you know and when you're talking about a, a tag of 40 you know 40 to 50 million anyway it's not like you're um you know it's not like you're you know like i said if i if lamar got a 60 million dollar signing bonus well 47 or 45 million isn't terribly far off of that um, so when the numbers are that high you're, you're, you're still, you know, you still got a risk there. You, you you, you know, your performance, uh, you perform awfully, I guess, or, or you get hurt and it affects your market value the next time around. But at least for that year, you're not losing a whole lot of money.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I want to move into the young producers here, but before we do, I need to thank our sponsor and that's liquid death, the water that will murder your thirst. Uh, Tall boy can available. They've got some great flavors. Please give their product a try. They've been very good to us. We talked about the young producer category last time, of course. The young producers on offense, those are guys on their first contract who are playing at a high level currently. Uh, and uh, are, most of them are either starters, they should be, or they have some significant role on the team. And I'll talk through them. There's six on the offense. And the the thing I'd say at at the start is it's not as packed a set of names as there are on the defense. Defense has a lot of high draft picks, great players, high upside. The young producers on offense are Devin DuVernay, Justice Hill, Isaiah Likely, Tyler Linderbaum, Josh Oliver, and Ben Powers. So less good than the defense, which includes a bunch of first round picks, Roquan, Patrick Queen, uh, who I'm missing in 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 that group. Well, I should just scroll up a little bit here and, and I've got them. Is uh Justin Matabike, Kyle Hamilton, Adafayo, uh even Geno Stone and Broderick Washington are at least equivalent to the guys on this list, I would say. Uh that is a little concerning with how great this list has been in the past for guys on their first contract uh, since Lamar was drafted, I mean, you know, you've had uh, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Lamar Jackson, Orlando Brown, Mark Andrews. I mean, they're all of
2: them uh, a cut above who is here currently. Yeah, and I mean, this is that that kind of uh, evolution of the roster. Um, the offense under Flacco in those in his you know eighteen in two thousand eighteen had gotten old. Um, two thousand nineteen draft. Um, brought in a lot of guys, 2020 brought in where you were more um, offense heavy, I guess. And then till this last draft and it kind of flipped back the other way to an extent or the, um, so it's that evolution. Cause when we get down to your, you know, we get down to the veterans making market value. Those are the guys that are now on their second contracts that were on their rookie deals back, you know, that were drafted in that 17, 18, 19, uh, range and they've, they've graduated, so to speak to, uh, to the bigger money deals. Um, you know, I, it, 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 I think a lot of teams go through this, uh, you know, I haven't studied it for sure, but, uh, I feel like, you know, you, the right, offense is a problem. We got to fix it and you go draft heavy. And, and obviously that, that, that night, uh, that, that draft was incredible, um, with Andrews and Lamar and or Orlando Brown. And of course, you had Stanley a year or two before, and he's graduated to that big deal as well. So, yeah, I mean, your young producers. Um, yeah, I mean, you've long term. You look at well, you, you said there's six there. There's probably um, three <laughs> on that list that are that potentially are here long term. Well, three um, more that than, are free agents, at right? Well, year. right, right, yeah. right. And uh, Duvernay would be up in the air, obviously, like likely, and, and Linderbar just our rookies right now so that you expect them to be here and expect them to st- to stay on this list uh, for a while for sure so
3: you may have started to notice the strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores but that's not beer that's why it's in the water section it's mountain spring water from the alps and it's called liquid death why is this water called liquid death well because it'll brutally murder your thirst and Their infinitely recyclable Tallboy cans help to bring a death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Plus, you can have some fun with it. I love my liquid death. I'm taking it to work every day, throwing it in the backpack. Yesterday, I had a Zoom meeting. There's nothing like getting on a Zoom meeting at 9 a.m. and cracking open a liquid death and watching the other screens as people try to figure out what you're drinking that early in the morning on a work call. So go on over, check out Liquid Death, pick it up yourself, and go on over and get it at your local hairs teeter or 7 Eleven. Or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com forward slash film study.
0: Yeah. So like uh, let's let's talk through these players. Devin DuVernay obviously has outplayed his expectations. Pierre's headed for another pro Bowl to me um he's he certainly is i don't know what now to say whether he's supplementing his return value with offensive play or he's supplementing his receiving numbers with his value as a uh as a return man he doesn't have all that many total returns so i think his, his value is as a receiver and as occasionally as a rusher the way the ravens have used him in a much more integral part of their offense this year
2: yeah. And I mean, that's been a that's been a big step. And it's nice to see because, uh, you know, last year it was just jet sweeps here and there. And now it's jet sweeps and he's catching the ball. And obviously, you know, the status of you know, once um, Brown was was traded, once Marquise Brown was traded, then obviously he, he kind of stepped up into that role. And, you know, now he's I guess he's he's the de facto number one receiver. Um, you know, uh, you wouldn't, not happy that it's that way, obviously Bateman getting hurt. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I think, I mean, he's, you know, this is his third year and that's the, you know, situation where if he really breaks out this year and next, then you, then the question is, does he, you know, and we're going to see how this offense evolves, but, you know, the question of, does he want a second contract here? Um, or does he want to hit the market and uh, you know he's one of those guys that some team may see you know he's under he's been underutilized in in Baltimore and we can really uh you know we can, we feel like we can make something of him and you know they they blow us they blow him out of the water with an offer. We've certainly seen that happen with wide receivers before.
0: Is is he a guy after year 3 that you could see the Ravens trying to make a uh, a 3-year deal with like an early individual
2: benefit deal? I I would certainly try. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, he may it may not be to his liking because he may feel he's ready to break out. Next year is going to be his really be his year um, and he's going to doesn't want to sell himself short. But he's a guy I certainly would uh, consider going to. Absolutely. Right. So
0: the the, the three guys on this list who really um, underscore the nature of this list as a week to week list. And I, I try and incorporate information very quickly. Uh, and, 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 you know, try and look back. And a lot of people criticize and say, you know, that's not, you know, you, you got to wait. We'll wait and see. Well, no, we're not waiting and seeing. We're making our best judgment right now at the bye week on, of, of whether these players are young producers. And Justice Hill has ran very well. Of course, he hasn't hasn't been there every single game, but he's ran very well in the opportunities they give him. I think he's a critical element of needing a speed back who threatens the outside to, to make Lamar Jackson as effective as possible.
2: Sure of it, and his, his pass blocking's been phenomenal too. Yeah. You know, and that's not something I would have ever thought I would say about Justice Hill. You know, he, he's not the biggest guy for sure. Um, of course, we just you know over the years we just haven't seen him on the field either. That's been the biggest problem. Yeah, and that has been the biggest problem. And I, you know, he and Oliver
0: both. Were two of the biggest upsets to make the team at all. Now by the end of camp, we knew that Hill was going to make it because they just didn't have anybody else. Right, but 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 the Oliver making the team surprised everybody that on on fifty three day every ruined oh, everybody's brackets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. That and, you know even the, the you know is the amount of playing time uh, obviously is yeah. essentially supplanting Boyle uh, in the, as far as snaps go, not necessarily the same role, but um, yeah, and he's you know he's looked good. I mean, I didn't last year he kind of looked lost out there a lot last year i felt when he was you know when he was out there on offense he just didn't seem like he fit but certainly whatever happened um and you know maybe it's that this is my last year to make some you know to, to prove i can make prove myself and make some money and we've certainly seen not that he's a huge breakout or anything but we've certainly seen defensive players over the years for the ravens break out big in that last year and go out and cash in real well
0: and and that'd be fine if that's what ends up happening, I don't think the Ravens are going to be upset about it in terms of you know potential comp pick value they might get. I don't know where they are in terms of how many they'll have to sign versus how many they're letting go, but they're smart with that. And if Oliver is a guy who generates a sixth or even a seventh round draft pick, yeah, um, they, they won't be happy to lose him. But, but it'll be what it is. Oh, the dogs are going off right now. <laughs> we, have, we have a. I, I don't know. You know, you live down uh, Columbia, Catonsville area. Cadesville, Cadesville. Okay. Yeah. I, I, do you have a lot of foxes in the neighborhood
2: this year fox and deer are
0: everywhere yeah so we we have that we, we see mr fox every day or two mm. and these dogs go ballistic and the uh, foxes cry at night right yep yeah, they do uh, for sure right. <laughs> all right Well, anyway let's let me continue a little bit with this so josh oliver um, would you think he could be a guy? I mean, do, is he a guy who, who the who the Ravens would see as, as having value, and he would see the value
2: in staying in Greg Roman's offense? I mean, perhaps, but he's certainly not a, a priority. I mean, when you think about it, it between Andrews and Likely uh, and Kohler, you've, uh, you know, that classically – I think my dog is now barking at your yeah, dog. The hard dogs, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. So sure. – um, yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, you've got your three. Oliver's probably no more than a four. The fourth, if Kohler's healthy and, and you know, is uh, lives up to expectations. So, I, I, you know, now if it's June or, you know, in May after the draft and he's not signed anywhere, maybe at that point he's like, you know, I like it there. I'll come back. Then, you know, we have signed me and you know for a depth guy you know if if one of the top 3 goes down i can see that for sure okay and maybe then
0: de- depending on what's going on maybe it could be a 2 year deal it doesn't have to be a 3 but then maybe that's the starting point is is you you work on something that could be a little bit longer deal and it's not going to be chart topping money with Josh Josh Oliver either no for sure he's got, no. he's yeah. got a big uh, place anywhere else no and most teams they would they just wouldn't have room for him right so, right uh, the, the other guy, Isaiah likely has had kind of a meteoric rise, uh, up this chart in the last couple of weeks. And it hasn't been based on receiving, although he's been off and on as a receiver. He had, you know, a good catch and some looked pretty horrible on some catches, frankly, this last week, the right. previous week, he had a nice week receiving, but it's been the blocking. I mean, he's mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's totally into the Ravens offense as a run blocker. I didn't think this transition was going to be possible. I and mean, he's been was such a, um, lethargic's not the right word mistake prone um uh blocker early in the season the preseason with a bunch of holding penalties yeah uh you know this is it's a remarkable evolution for him and and uh, he's looked great though he's all over our offensive line notes for making good blocks uh this last week so uh the last two weeks in fact so i've been very excited about that
2: yeah i mean he's he was clearly you know the draft profile was a, a receiver first you know, uh, almost a, a big wide receiver build, you know, and not the blocking was not even a uh, a thought that it was going to be a, you know, that was going to clearly be his weakness. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's great to see. And as you said, it seems like he's bought into it, and probably real. you know, he realizes maybe when Kohler gets back, he could get pushed down the, uh, you know, get that, that this was his chance to really, uh, you know, uh, perhaps uh solidify himself and he certainly seems like he's done that. Yeah, I I would agree. I think he's in good shape
0: now. Two offensive linemen to talk about Ben Powers another Shocker. I mean, the 2.54 million dollar salary upgrade that he got to upgrade to 2.54 million. A lot of people had him not making this team.
2: Oh, he I was think. on yeah, he was on my list of potential cuts for sure and mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people were, you know, saying cut him then. And I'm like, well, I don't think he's getting cut then because injuries happen and he you know, he was a serviceable enough backup if he's, if he's your, you know, eighth or ninth or 10th, uh, (laughs) lineman, you know, but obviously he's, he's certainly, uh, and again, you know, there's that free agent year, you know, I got to get it together and, you know, um, and he may, he may parlay himself into a, a decent deal there. Um, not necessarily from the Ravens, but, you know, he might get a, um, a better deal he's one of those guys you may end up seeing get a better one of those how did he get that you know kind of deal uh, Ryan when, Jensen when the numbers kind of come out yeah. yeah, yeah 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 i
0: I what what happened powers scores very well in my system, just right. to start with, and there's a couple things going on. first of all, PFF has it almost as good as I actually better than I do. In terms of he is the highest-rated pass-blocking guard in the entire league. I just saw this the other day. I didn't right. at any time this season. He's number right. one. Zeidler number four. Nice. Uh, and you know, if you're looking at pass blocking, run blocking, as much as the Ravens run, the pass blocking is still way more important. There's much more variation of uh, outcome on pass plays, and you need things to go right. So Ben Powers, sure. uh, you know, is is, uh, uh, is doing the right things right. Uh, it, the other guy, uh, Tyler Lindebaum, uh, on our list here, uh, he has got a tremendous reputation already. Uh, yeah. frankly, a little bit above what's deserved. I think he's been about a league average center, or a little bit higher. Maybe I'd be generous to say a little bit higher, because frankly, his pass blocking has really sucked. And it's his run blocking. That's been good. And that's kind of like the analogy I make is if you've got a hitter, and you have a choice between having a high on-base percentage or a high slugging percentage. You always want the high on-base percentage. Right it's, right? it's worth it's worth more. And you know, it's like you want the you want the better pass blocker. And Linderbaum's at, at times looked a little overwhelmed, uh, size-wise, length-wise. You know, no need to get into all that on here. I still say where he is right now there's no need to be upset or, or be frankly bothered by the fact that he's a league average lineman. That's a terrific place to start even for a first round pick. Um, and every, you know, the majority of Ravens offensive line we've seen have increased
2: in value substantially as they've stayed. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I still go back to that, the block he had on, uh, Devin white, uh, Mm -hmm. Where he, I mean, it looked like the scene out of uh, out of uh, the Blind Side when Michael Orr was pushing yeah. the guy over the down the field yep. and over the fence. Uh, I mean, he had him on. I talk about having a guy on skates, and then he finished yep. him off. What, of course, White hit it. A, I don't know if it, was, if it was the Ravens player. You know, he got blocked over top of somebody, but then he pancaked him on the to finish it off. <laughs> and yeah. that was, I mean, that's a you know that's a Pro Bowl you know uh, a legit Pro Bowl middle linebacker to to do that to. Um, was was pretty was pretty special, and obviously that's going to be that's a highlight reel for the rest of his life. That one's going to always come up. <laughs> yeah, he, he had one
0: in the last game that, that I don't know that everybody saw, but it's it's always impressive. It only happens maybe once a season uh, per team, or certainly no more than once a season per player, but I think it's about once a season per team. But he blocked three guys on one play. It was a combination okay. block where he got up got up to level two, made a block. The guy kind of stumbled backwards, and he makes another block. Uh, and drove the, drove the guy several yards. So it's a very impressive three block. I've seen Yanda do it before. Uh, the number of times I've seen that in 17 years of offensive line scoring is you know is I could probably count on two hands. Right, uh, right. So it's it just does not happen very often. So uh, anyway, I, I'm I'm excited with where he is right now. I just think he's there's a lot of people out there who think he's further along than, than where he is and, right. and it's, it's, it's okay, but uh, I, I, he should not be headed for the pro bowl this year. Uh, and I hope he still can make it in the,
2: in, in future years. Sure. Sure. Yeah.
0: All right. So uh, talk about that a little bit. Let's move on to developmental players where uh, Rashad Bateman uh, is back on this list, which is unfortunate. And so is JK Dobbins. Right. Uh, with them, Ben Cleveland, Daniel Faalele. Uh, Tyler Huntley, Charlie Collar, and James Prochet. kind of a mix of different talents here. But I think we'll start with Bateman and Dobbins because they're, they're disappointments. They're, they've dropped out of the young producer class, kind of like dropping in class as a racehorse here. But the most important ability is availability.
2: Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, they obviously, if they're healthy, they're clearly on the the other list, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, Bateman had some drop issues, but you could see the talent there. Um, and obviously we saw what Dobbins could do in the past, but, you know, Dobbins is an interesting one because now he's reaching, you know, next year will be year four yep. and he's already lost a, a season and a half, um, you know, give or take this year, how this year plays out. Um, so that will be, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, what happens with him next year you know, we'll get to Gus Edwards in a little bit, um, you know, his, his deal uh, increases in uh, value next year as well. And uh, whether that, and again, lack of, you know, five draft picks at this point, you know, will they draft, will they draft someone, uh, you know, that they, there aren't so much, enough enough draft picks necessarily to fill every, every wish you have, but um, yeah, it'll be so, I mean, Dobbins is, I mean, he'll be here next year, but he's playing for a bigger role again next year or, or, you know, playing for can he be that guy? Now, he might be a guy to go to if he looks good the rest of this year. He might be one of those guys look like he'd like they did with Gus Edwards. Let's add a year to your deal um, and give you some more money than you would make next year. Um, and that gives him another year to get it, you know, get his feet under him, so to speak. And if he does end up, you know, walking after the, after his fifth year, instead of his fourth year, um, then at least, you know, he's proven the next two years, it gives him two years to prove himself as opposed to one.
0: So it'd be something where you give him two years, 5 million or something. And, and the, the first, I mean, he's replacing a $2 million salary year, probably anyway, as a second round draft pick, or maybe not quite that in
2: year four. Well, yeah. So he would be entitled to the, the prefer, uh, the, the PPV the performance, proven performance Esclair, PPE. Um, but I'm not sure because his rookie year, he didn't, he, I mean, he didn't, he didn't get a, a, a huge amount of snaps and obviously last year he didn't. So it's based on, and this year he's not, so I'm not sure he would even earn that. Right. Um, so his, his, his fourth year salary is presently set at, let me see. Um probably not much more than a million and a half, if that. Um, I'll bring it up if you're having yeah, trouble yeah. getting to it on your phone. Uh, uh, I, well, actually, I got my laptop here. Yeah. So yeah, next year, his his cap number is 1.8. So his salary is about 1.4, yep. um, which would be the one, to ask that 1.4 would be what would escalate up. Um, but I'm not sure he's going to have the, you know, basically missing a year and a half. I'm not sure he's going to, he'd reach that.
0: Yeah. I mean, part of the reason I had to put him back in the developmental group is we don't know what kind of running back he is right now. He he missed the entire year. He was great as a rookie, but Hey, things happen to running backs. He's gone back for a second surgery to deal with scar tissue in a way. I think that might be a good thing that there's an explanation for why he didn't really look that good when he first came back. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but but on the other hand, um, you know, a second surgery and 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 coming back late this year, are they going to really know? And you know, next year he's he's twenty five. That's that's no problem. But but he he'll be in the fourth year of his deal, making a million four. Um, I I don't think they can go out and get anybody cheaper than that without spending draft capital to do it. Right. But I also think that you know you're you're. I, I'm, I'm, I just, I, I, I would not feel, I, I would not want to go into next year with him being the number one running back. I think that's a, that's a, it was probably a, a problem. If you have him and Gus, I think it's okay. If you have him and a draft pick and Gus, it's okay. If one of the other guys develops, right. uh, you know, if if Hill were to develop or if Beatty were to come off the practice squad and all of a sudden he right. rushes for three hundred yards in three games, you know, then maybe we we. We don't have to worry about the, the the tags that go with being the number one back and whatnot. Right. But I think sure. if he's the guy they're expecting to get tons of carries in 23, I think right now that's too big a risk for this team. No, I would agree with that
2: for, for sure. Okay.
0: And Rashad Bateman, same same thing. You, you, you mentioned this. So don't, I don't need to go into it again. But if he... Liz Frank, the main main issue for me is can he come back to be the same guy again? and And will it take into his... Well into his third season before he can
2: do it, because oftentimes that's that's over a year recovery time, right? Right. Yeah, yeah so. I'm trying to remember because was it Marquise Brown's the same? So I don't remember when he got hurt because he got because obviously he his his rookie year he played, but it definitely affected him. And then the next year he he looked to be fully healthy, but then he of course he he's another guy that gets nicked up with other things as well.
0: Right, I'm. I'm I, I don't. I know it was I, a foot
2: injury, but I don't remember what it was exactly. Yes, yeah,
0: so he did. He, he he was out after the first six games. Sorry, no, that's not right. In 2019, he played 15 games. So it was it was 21. He lost some time, but you're right. He was he was walking around with an injury.
2: Yeah, because I remember um, them saying, "What what you know? Wait till next year when he's fully healthy. See what you know." Right. That that's what everybody was expecting. His you know his his second year to be the real real breakout. You know. Yeah. I'm sorry, I, I was looking at his
0: uniform number there. I'm an idiot. I so he 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 played 14, 16, and 16 games in his first three years before he was traded. So okay. even though he had some sort of it was a Lis Franc or another ligament in his foot or bone yeah. in his foot that was giving his troubles, um uh, uh it it that wasn't the the issue there. Well, let's move on a little bit. Uh Ben Cleveland, uh very frustrated that he's that he hasn't. You know, yanked the job away from Powers, but the fact that Powers has played so well, I'm, I'm a little bit less bothered by it now. But it's certainly in camp, I was thinking, you know, you come to camp looking like this when you uh, do this. I think the, the Ravens were really trying to send him a message beyond the you're going to fail the test four times and then we're going to sit you and you're going to be the number two clearly all the time. Beyond that, they moved his weight up within the roster to 370 pounds. They Interesting. wouldn't they wouldn't have do that to a player normally. I mean, Patrick Ricard, they kept him at the higher weight because they wanted to kind of show him attractively as a you know bull of a fullback who could still move right, when he sure. probably weighed 265 or something last year. Uh and and if you look at uh uh, uh other players who've been larger guys like Syracuse or Adams, they never moved their weight up, even when they were clearly a lot more than you know 340 right. that they were they were trying to play at. And I, I just I think it's it's It's, it was actually punitive what they did to him in terms of sticking his weight on the roster at 370 when he, even at at his highest college roster weight that he had was, I think, 356.
2: Okay. Yeah. Um, obviously he's, and he's another one that's been, you know, nicked up a lot as well. And, um, you know, third round pick, you would expect he would at least have been competing for a starting role. And obviously, um, that, that that never even developed i mean never came close
0: yeah I mean, he, he had it at the end of his rookie year which is which really frustrates me that in his second year he's not he didn't come to camp ready to be mm-hmm. the de facto starting left guard because i think you know that honestly could have pushed powers out the door
2: uh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're probably yeah. The, with the yeah. with that five with that 2.54 number, yeah, mm-hmm. when they were you know lur- hurt not hurting for cap space, but when they certainly could use it, um, that would have been. And I thought, but that's why you know I said when the, I said earlier when you know when when Powers earned that, people are like, oh, he's going to get cut, and I had him on my list, but I kept telling people I don't think he's getting cut in March. He might mm-hmm. get cut or traded in August right once once we see what the rosters like and thankfully <laughs> thankfully that that was the approach they took yeah you definitely you wait for your your depth to play out during camp yeah. that's a that's a very basic
0: strategy and 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 you know the ravens were very fortunate to get through camp with 11 guys that were healthy and 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 they kept 11 on the offensive line but they weren't able to trade Tyree Phillips right you know, they they tried they, yeah. they couldn't get it done so uh, next guy on the list another offensive lineman Daniel Danielele uh, has not really played well at tackle when he's been in there this year but I you know I think I've seen a little bit of growth uh certainly did not grade well in either of the games uh but uh he didn't he, he also avoided something which I'm very keen on is that he avoided a fall off the table game what I call the cousins Hearst category of games where they're, they're they're so low they're down into the you know 10 or or 13 range or something. You kind of think of this as a 60 is passing at tackle. Yeah. Uh, He was, he's like a 46 and a 49 in his two games, which is bad, but it's not completely
2: falling off the table. And the cousins had a 31 Uh, and O'Neal cousins. Oh, (laughs) that draft, that was that draft set them back so far because I think that was the draft. They had like 11 picks in that draft. And that was one of those also that they had. That's I think cousins was a third round pick. The was the that high? That I think just, he was that. Yeah, I think it was a Zibikowski right? draft. Yeah, and and they had a ton of picks and very few of them played uh, out. I'll, okay, I'll, have, no, to, no, I'll have to look that up. But okay, so I I'm, I'm looking at right now. So the 2008
0: draft is what we're talking about. So that was Flacco and Rice at the top of the draft. Right, no problem with those picks.
2: Right, absolutely. And, yeah,
0: and after that, Tavares Gooden, who was gone in three years, I believe. Tom Zibikowski, mm-hmm. Fireman. O'Neill Cousins, he hung around, he hung around the league for a few years, which was really surprising with some other teams. Marcus Smith, who never had a catch, but had the right. pass interference in the in the AFC championship game that was huge. Right. Set up their second touchdown. David Hale, who was the guy who looked like um Dwallin from the Hobbit movie. He's, <laughs> right. he's very bald-headed young dude that uh, never got any playing time. Haruki Nakamura's quality dime. And then right. Justin Harper and Alan Patrick, who I don't think ever played for the Ravens.
2: No, I don't think, yeah. So, yeah, that that draft. Draft, yeah <laughs> that was a woof.
0: Uh all right so Tyler Huntley uh the next guy on the list um I I don't you know there was talk before the season that the Ravens could trade him to another team that might want a, a quarterback that Carolina boy you know you got a choice between Baker Mayfield and Tyler Huntley wouldn't you want Tyler Huntley um I think we kind of saw at the end of last last year why Tyler Huntley was not going to be that guy. Uh yeah it's it's i didn't really have a place to put him on this chart that wasn't developmental because he's going to be here one more year so he's not really transitional but i also don't expect him to be a young producer ever
2: yeah yeah i mean it's obviously the backup quarterback is sort of its own little uh niche so to speak um but yeah i mean if if he if god forbid lamar got hurt and he came in and played better this year then that might set up and, and you're bringing lamar back next year and then maybe you set up for a trade possibility. I don't know that what he did, I think what he did last year was admirable. I don't know why. it was more than it was. I think it was better than expected, uh, potentially, mm-hmm. but it, it still wasn't as good as a lot of people seem to think. I mean, people are, it's "Oh, we could trade him for a second round pick or something <laughs> like that. No, I don't see that. Um, now, because I, I was like, because I, I remember responding, if somebody offered them a second round pick, he'd already be gone. <laughs> yeah, They jump on it if they, yeah. If they do. Yeah. Um, so you know, this would be the year. This is the year to trade him this offseason if you could get something decent in return, um, because he won't be. He probably won't be here the next year. Although he's he and Lamar are tight, and if if he realizes, you know, if there's no opportunities out there, this is probably the best place for him because if Lamar does get hurt and he gets a chance to shine then perhaps uh perhaps they can get him back and he might be a guy that this off season because he will get the um he will get uh restricted he's a restricted free agent so he's going to get a bump in a decent bump in salary. Oh, he's not um, a draft pick originally. I got to think back. No, he's a U.S.A., right. Yeah, and he and he and they the um pandemic year hurt them too because he was only he was not up enough that year under normal, under the normal rules to earn an accrued season. Um, But that year they, because of the pandemic and because guys were going up and down and to get the players association degree to other things, they allow one game for an accrued season. Hmm. Um, So as opposed to the normal six. Um, So he was up for the last three games, I think, but that gave him an accrued season. Otherwise he'd still be a, a exclusive rights free agent. So next year, I feel like the um, – and, uh, you know, a low dra- – now, see, so you give him the low tender, he's an undrafted free agent, so anybody could sign him, and there's no there's no draft pick compensation. Is he worth a second round? Nobody's going to uh, – you know, do you give him the second round tender? Uh, that seems awfully high, but there's no middle ground between the two. <laughs> right. Um, so you roll, go to him in so- advance.
0: There's two things you do, right? The you go to him in advance. You sign him for uh, – oh,
2: yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean that, that he's one of those guys that you, you always like to look for of who where's a guy we can, you know, we can get value out of and extend him that could reduce that, that, uh, that tender. And then you, you know, add a year or two and go from there. But also is the tender is non-guaranteed, right? So if, if they,
0: they don't won't sign him, it's guaranteed once he signs it, but if, if they offer him the tender, but he never, but they never get around to signing it or they don't, you know, make time for it to come in. It's been commonly done in the past. I think it was done with Hearst and Jensen in the same year that they cut them both down. And instead of, they offered them a, maybe a, it might've offered them original round compensation, both cases. And then both came in They They said, you're both making 1.2 million.
2: Um, you would know better than me. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's not guaranteed. It's first off, it's not guaranteed at all. Um, But the player really, once they get past the restricted free agent uh, negotiating period, um, then the player basically has to sign it. If they refuse to sign it, there is a letter that they send to the player and to the agent that basically says, if you don't sign this within a certain period of time, we can reduce it back down to, Uh, What would be the veteran minimum for that, for a four-year player as opposed Mm -hmm. to the, and I, they did, I'm trying to remember who somebody, I I don't remember who it was, but they did send that letter to somebody and it quickly got signed. So I don't know. It's, it's forcing the team to send you a letter seems kind of silly because they, you know, at that point, once the, once the, uh, the offer sheet period it ends uh, five days before the draft. There's no, you know, you're stuck. <laughs> you know, there's no way of getting around it unless you're trying to negotiate a long-term deal and you feel like that gives you some leverage. Uh, but that's about it. Right.
0: All right. Well, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Huntley. Let's move on. Charlie Kolar, uh, another guy who is actually a pretty good developmental player on this list, and the offense has weak players at the young producer group. And better players in the developmental group than the defense does. So it's they've got a little bit more upward mobility in that developmental group with Bateman, Dobbins, Kolar, and Cleveland. And and you could you know, there could be some people who say Faolele is, a, is uh, a
2: yeah, I would say, and, and maybe even Prochet um on the end there too when we get to him. I you know, they all have they all have roles. Um and you know, obviously the, you know, maybe Prochet doesn't if everybody's healthy, but or as much of one, but the, he's got his opportunity now to show that he does, you know, that he he could move up to that next level.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it, 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 since we're talking about James, let's do that. I mean, the, my main problem with Prochet is that he's already in year three, right? And and you know, it's just it's if you're in the developmental group, you really want to be in year one or year two. And Dobbins is an exception, and Huntley is an exception, every and Prochet is an exception. So the the other four guys are all in year one or two. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you just it's it's unfortunate if you're still stuck there in year three because Prochet, honestly will come into camp next year and he'll be on the bubble.
2: Yeah, so, yeah I would think so for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, with with Kolar, we we just don't know where he is. I'm right. excited to see what kind of opportunity he gets. Do you, what, what, what's your like? Just as a fan, you, let's let's set the cap aside for a second because uh, you're you're a good football fan too, Brian. What what are you what do you expect out of Charlie Kohler What do you hope to get out of Charlie Kohler for the rest of the year?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think I I don't know because the three guys ahead of him and you know we'll talk about Boyle in, in a bit, but the three guys who are really ahead of him at this point are all playing well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, you know injuries aside, um, you know he's not. I don't know that he he, he, he may supplant, um, um, Oliver, Oliver. Right. He's so, I mean, I, I mean, I, the hope would be he supplants Oliver, I guess, from, from the Raven standpoint, because, you know, they drafted him to, you know, to make an impact, but uh, a lot of it depends on, you know, his injury, how, you know, is he fully recovered? He's not in football shape per se. I mean, he, you know, he's, he's, he, they, he, and he's had the, the buy came at a really good time for him to get a little extra, you know, a little extra time in it, um, you know, uh, on the practice field, so to speak, or, or just getting into, into shape. So I don't have a lot of, I guess I don't, the short answer is, I don't have a whole lot of expectations at this point because I'm not sure. I, I just feel like there's three guys ahead of him, certainly in playing time and experience in the offense. Um, so, but they, you know, I mean, they're there. They'd certainly rotate these guys around. So he's going to see snaps. It's just a matter of how much, and then if he can prove he can get himself, he can get open. And that, you know, that goes a long way towards, um, you know, towards getting the ball and, and getting more playing time. But I, I wouldn't expect, I'm not expecting a lot. And that's just the circumstances. It's nothing against him. Certainly. Right. And, and honestly, if I look at his situation
0: is kind of similar to David Ajabo on the defense is he's playing at a very deep position, right? Both similar. And, and, is a rookie who's coming off an injury, and I would think in both cases. Okay, my biggest thing in both cases is these players don't lose the year developmentally. So it's fantastic, frankly, and and it's already beaten my expectations that a is back on the field yep, and practicing. Sure. In the case of Kolar, I don't really know what to believe in terms of a hernia and and how difficult that is. I think there's multiple levels of how bad it can be, uh, but you know, I, I would probably also have said based on the surgery happening right before the season that I wouldn't have expected him to be back by week nine
3: yeah no, and, I he, and he is a,
0: it's week ten now so right well <laughs> sure but uh but anyway it's uh uh it is what it is, and hopefully hopefully he's a guy that can help the ravens and if even if he can't if it's if he's just practicing uh and his depth if anything happens uh that has a lot of value as well so uh i, I something tells me both of those guys are not going to be inactive every week that one of the two of them at least will be active and get some snaps as we move forward
2: sure i agree yeah all
0: right let's talk about the veterans playing for market value real quick 12 guys mark andrews Kenyon drake gus edwards lamar jackson we've talked extensively about patrick McCarry, nick moore i put in this category even though he's not technically a veteran he's because he's a long snapper he's too nichified no upward mobility doesn't belong in any other class so he goes here morgan moses patrick ricard Demarcus Robinson, Ronnie Stanley, Jordan Stout, same deal, Justin Tucker, and Kevin Zeitler. Big group of players. Uh, Let's talk about anybody you want to.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, I guess the – because we kind of touched on it earlier, the the running back situation going forward uh, is going to be interesting. Um, And obviously a lot of that depends on health. I think, you know, first couple weeks with Drake were so-so. I, I think, uh, you know, and you're, you're the one who grades, but I think, uh, um, Ronnie Stanley's return in all sorts of ways changed the dynamic, uh, you know, in, in every way. Um, one, you just had a, even Ronnie Stanley at, and he's playing, I think he, I think he's exceeding expectations concerning oh, what yeah. we were, what we were concerned about and he may not be pro bowl Ronnie Stanley yet, but. He's so much better than what was there. Um, you know, the four—I uh, guess four guys played there, right? John um, James, McCarey, and Falelei. I'm not sure who else, but there might have been somebody. Um, I guess it was the three then, right? So yeah, so um, so you know that that's that's I think changed the dynamic in, in so many ways. But that running back situation, Drake has really really come on. I, I don't know that that means he's going to be back next year, but it certainly. You know, as opposed to the running backs they had last year, with you know the veterans, and you couldn't wait till they were gone, <laughs> so mm-hmm. to speak. Uh, I think he's got more of a chance to hang around, but I do think that position is going to be uh, interesting in that you've got you know Gus coming off of injury and and J.K. coming off of injury and Hill being a free agent and and Drake being a free agent. There's there's a lot of um uh, up, a uh, lot's up in the air there for sure, and and I guess you could say the same thing about wide receiver as well when, when you look at Demarcus Robinson. But, um, but yeah, I mean as a group, it's it's a nice group. Uh, obviously, uh, well, Lamar's going to be obviously paid handsomely, <laughs> hopefully here. Um, but none of them are uh, other than other than Stanley. None of them, oh, I, I, Andrews. Uh, none of them are uh, huge investments and macari's a a steal for what they got him for um you know and his his value um just his 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 versatility uh, you know sure Uh, now that obviously the cap numbers go up as the deal goes up so you know maybe by year four of that it's not as considered as much of a steal but and i think morgan moses has held his own um i I was kind of hoping for a little better, maybe <laughs> I, I've been very happy uh, okay. for, for right. what it's worth uh, okay well then that'll I'll, I'll defer to you on that for sure. um so I mean, I think it's a good group and i I think it's a group that um I don't see any other than maybe Gus, I don't see any and the free agents obviously, but I don't see anybody on that list that won't be here next year
0: right i I would agree and 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 Gus is the only guy who's even close to a cap
2: value concern on the list. Yeah. I mean, cause uh, he's got a, he'll, it's about 4 million, I think. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's again, and uh, we get back to that big variable being Lamar. If you're, if you're, if he's going to have a 40 some million cap number, then you got to make some decisions you'd rather not make. If he's in the twenties and thirties on that first year, then, you know, then Gus is not a luxury anymore. So to speak.
0: I, yeah, I'd be interested if, if, you know what I'd really like to hear from you and maybe talk about this maybe on a separate pod would be if if Lamar is forced to to sign for the uh, 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 or has to accept a tag and the Ravens him can't come to an agreement. He plays for the tag next year and the Ravens want to keep him at that tag because I think it's going to that might be an impetus to trade him as well that they'll that they'll
2: look for that as a what other sacrifices do they have to make at that point?
3: You know who has to go?
2: Well, and that's yeah. I mean, I think you know that's where your your Chuck Clark's, your your um, class Campbells, yeah. As we as we mentioned on the defense, um, and you know, and Gus. I mean, I think those are guys. I don't know. There's anybody else, but I mean, you're 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 talking, you know, you're talking close to, I mean, you're talking fifteen million there, give or take, um. Maybe a little less. I think there's somebody else I'm not thinking of um, that might fall into that. Nick, Nick but I, Boyle is a, Bo- is a big, boyle, right. Well, Boyle, yeah. right. So if you take Boyle and Campbell, that's 12 right there. Mm-hmm. Uh Gus adds another four. Um, and then Chuck Clark adds another two and a half. So, you know, you're you're close to 18 million. Um, I mean that may have to happen. You know, maybe you can get some of those guys to take less to come back. Campbell we talked about on the you know the defensive pod um so but yeah I mean that's that's where um and you're going to be you're going to be filling those spots with undrafted free agents because we don't have a lot of draft picks you know yeah. uh, or veteran minimum guys because they don't make a lot but you know obviously veteran minimum guys are veteran minimum guys for a reason um and they you know they can be contributors but they're not going to be superstars and they're, they're not going to necessarily be guys you just the four names we named, they're not going to be guys that are going to be that good, you know?
0: Well, I certainly don't need to go through all of these guys, uh, but there are two that I want to hit on. Uh, One is Ronnie Stanley. Now I, the playing at the level he has has just exceeded all expectations for me. You mentioned it earlier and I I, I don't mean to repeat you, but he's, he's done, you know, I would have taken 85% of what he was in 2019 and, and been thrilled with it. I think he's probably 92% of what he Definitely. was so far in terms of what we've seen. I mean, he's just, that's, I, I'm, i obviously that's a qualitative thing. It's sure, not a, sure. not a quantity, but you know, I have just been very happy with, with how he's looked. Uh, doesn't seem to be favoring the leg in terms of the injury at all in a way that I can detect. Now I, I probably in all fairness would not be able to detect that. Maybe that's a, a you know, a doctor's uh, a point to make directly, but uh, just, I, I I can't imagine this being better. And I I got really tired of a lot of the talk mm-hmm. during the, during the off season about Stanley, not really wanting to play football and stuff like that. But you heard that from people They you know, doesn't really love the game. He's just, he just wants to basically, you know, lie on the couch and not play football anymore if he could.
2: Yeah, I hated that too. Um and, and I didn't I, I mean he, he is a guy that seems to have he's an interesting guy. So he seems to have a lot of when you hear his podcast, he's he's a well-rounded guy. It's not just football and I I don't know if that's what cuz I'm not sure where those things came from, you know, and and maybe there were maybe there were whispers in the Ravens organization, uh, you know, I don't know. Um but yeah, I mean he's I, but you know, it wasn't like he didn't try to come back last year. I mean, he did, you know, and it wasn't like he, you know, all reports were he was working really hard this off season. Um, And I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just glad he's, that he's where he is. I mean, you know, I mean, there were also, you know, there were also rumblings on the radio that he, you know, he, he was never going to play again, you know, that the ankle was so bad, you know, that, that or he could never be, he could never be close to what he was, and you know, um, and obviously that's obviously we have a small sample size at this point, but clearly if, if he stays healthy, he's 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 back, you know. Yeah, I, I in in fact,
0: I, it'd really be hard to imagine a player coming back and playing this well, and have it be a mirage. I, I just there's nothing about you know what's happened so far that I can ascribe to. Yeah, he just got lucky. His right. first few games, it's just and and you know he will face some some better pass rushers as the season goes along, but, uh, but that's just one of those things. You know, I, if I go back in Ravens history, there's only one player I can really think of who I would really put in the position as he didn't really love the game enough to want to continue playing it, and that's he, th- this guy had other reasons that were legitimate in their own right. and That's John Urschel. You know, I, right? Th- yeah, there there have been other players. Who don't show the commitment to conditioning, don't show the commitment to keeping themselves up, don't don't you know go to practice regularly, don't love the game is an is kind of a different level, or 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 really would rather not be playing the game mm-hmm. is also a different level, and I know it, it gets I, I heard that it gets harder for people, and then we also see the counter examples, we see players like Terrell Suggs, who or Eric Weddle who think it might be their last camp. And they're like, Oh my God, I'm going to miss this so much.
2: Yeah. And yeah. So yeah, there's yeah. one other, there's one Eugene Monroe would be the other one. Oh, there's a good one <laughs> who, who did not love the game. And, and now uh, he, you know, he, I mean, he was going into medicinal marijuana before, uh, you know, it kind of in its infancies, so to speak, but he was the one that, he didn't want to ruin his body. You know, he, he, mm. he, he'd seen enough, <laughs> he'd had enough, you know, and I want to be able to walk. on don't want need. And I, I'm not, you know, that that's, you know, that's, that's legitimate. I get yes. that. I get that, you know, but it's also, I, that was other interest. And, you know, his love for the game wasn't as, as great as obviously most of these players. Right. And, and, you know, Jared Gaither falls
0: into the, never met <laughs> never met a hole he didn't want to throw himself into right <laughs> right, right yeah that's, yeah, not, that's not different. The game. no no <laughs> so. that's
2: yeah that's different for sure uh
0: all right uh let's see i, I don't think we need to really talk about many of these players cuz they're all they all who are, are are who they are uh demarcus robinson chance he'll be back with the ravens next like year got a got a percentage on that
2: yeah i mean i think it's i mean obviously it depends on what they do in the off season uh, what they think Bateman's, but i think he's shown enough that he's certainly not going to break the bank. Um, now, you know, there, there's a question of, is this offense, you know, does he see this offense doing what he needs to potentially make more money down the road? And if the answer is no, then maybe he's, you know, he, he skips, he, he decides to take an equal or, or close, you know, slightly lesser deal somewhere else. But, um, certainly by, you know, it seems like he's well-liked and, uh, you know, so, uh, and as a depth guy I, or a third or fourth guy, and you know, uh, I think he's a solid. Uh, is he playing much on special teams? I haven't paid attention. To I, that, I don't but think he does. Yeah. I, and I, I could it, be wrong. Right. And that may be because he's been the, the, you know, basically the two or three wide receiver and they don't, you know, they don't want to risk that. And especially now he's the two for sure. Um, but, you know, so obviously that's always a factor when you get down to if he becomes the fourth or the fifth wide receiver.
0: Yeah. Third, third, three special teams snaps so far this year for Demarcus. Okay, Robles, so right. not
2: mu- certainly not much. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, let's move on to the next category, which is veteran cap value concerns. The only guy on the team on either side of the ball, Nick Boyle, and he wouldn't even be a cap value concern if this were the last year of his contract. But there's still another year left on this contract. Yes, the interminable contract that you know, obviously, a lot of people unhappy with a, with a blocking tight end. I think he's added a lot to the Ravens in his time being here. I think he's been a good Raven. Uh, it's just, it's, this is the, the end of the line is here. Is there any way they could restructure, change the value on this contract to make him come back for another year?
2: I mean, they'd have to cut him. He'd get no offers somewhere else. And then he'd come back on a veteran minimum. The, I don't think he's getting a veteran minimum any more than that from any place. Um, whether it's a health issue, you know, in, in the spring, it sounded like he looked great, but clearly uh, something's not there now. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm not sure he survives the rest of the year um right. when you've got Marcus Williams coming back and Ross coming back and J k. Dobbins coming back. obviously, the rosters are fluid. you could you know guys could go on IR you know and that, that becomes a a off so to speak. but I um, mean he's the fourth he's the fourth tight end he's been inactive or or very few snaps on offense um for most weeks already so I, I don't you know I can't I can't see it. a fifth tight end doesn't make a whole lot of sense you know
0: with Kolar back um would it would it make sense for Boyle to go to IR I mean I, I don't know if what the, if what they would need to do to prove he's got an injury or to 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 do that but it seems like if, if he's on IR, obviously you're without him for four weeks, but then you have the insurance policy thereafter. You don't have any difference in payment and he's going to be cut at the same time in whether it's March or probably in his case, the day after the you know season ends kind of thing to give him as much time right. as he can to find a new deal. Um, is there, is there any reason the Ravens shouldn't consider that in the bag of tricks for Nick Boyle, as opposed to certainly as opposed to cutting him? Yeah.
2: And I mean, I I think, as you said, I mean, it depends on the the severity of any injury, whether he qualifies or not. And to be honest with you, does he want to sit on IR as an insurance policy or would he prefer to be cut? His salary is fully guaranteed. So it's a sunk cost for the Ravens. It's not really a, you know, people like, oh, they are not going to cut him because it's guaranteed. Well, they got to pay him one way or another. So it doesn't, you know, I, I don't I don't see any reason to keep him and uh, and, yeah, you know, at the expense of somebody else or a different position, just because you're gonna continue to pay him, and it's not like it's that much anyway, it's five hundred thousand for the rest of the season, um, which in, in these terms is not much at all. Mm-hmm. So, um but it's I think it would largely depend on him, you know, would he want to go on IR? as opposed to cut me and, you know, I'll go sign somewhere. Hopefully I can find somewhere else to sign. Worst case scenario, he comes back. He's still making the same money and come back to the, you know, they can say, we'll cut you if you don't find something else. We'd be happy to have you back on the practice squad, you know, and then he's, because he's already getting paid and he'll get a little extra money on the practice squad. But does he want to come back to the Raven? If he's going to sign for a practice squad, does he want to be the fifth, guy on the depth chart on the practice squad here or does he want to be the third or fourth on some you know even even if it's on the practice squad on some other team where he might have a more more of a chance because he knows he's not going to be back next year right so playing if, if, if if it's not really a terrible injury and it's just the numbers game with with the ravens then going somewhere where he can get some film to for you know whatever contract he might get next year uh, I certainly think from his perspective that would make more sense. Now, if he's just too beat up, you know, and then maybe the IR is is a better way. And then they can just he can worry about it in the offseason. Yeah. I I'm I'm trying to think of like what other
0: uh juice there is that the Ravens could put into it. The practice squad is not a bad idea. That's just a little bit of money. It's really not a lot to support no, not. Spoil. And, Uh, The the other thing is that, you know, he he probably qualifies to get a ring anyway by by whatever rules that Bishotti would hand them out if the Ravens were to win the Super Bowl this year. Uh, Yeah,
2: Uh, they would give him a ring for sure.
0: They they would give him a ring for sure. And, and, you know, part of being on IR means he gets to at least stand on the sidelines for the Super Bowl. Right. He wouldn't get to play. Right. Or, or or he might get to play if something, you know, if something right. went wrong sure. with one of the other tight ends. Sure. And so it's a, you know, it's an interesting thing. But anyway, it's a, Nick Boyle has been a, been a fine Raven. And unfortunately um, the end is just probably a few snaps away at this point in terms of whether it's, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, five or 50, I don't think it's, it's too much out of that
2: range. Right. Yeah, for sure.
0: All right, so uh, four four players in the transitional category. I have Tristan Colon here. I, my main reason with him is not that he isn't an okay offensive lineman right now, but he's buried on the depth chart, and he's in his third year. So next year, he en- enters the camp on the bubble. Uh, if the Ravens draft an offensive lineman, there's a good chance he doesn't make the team and is gone, but uh, but we'll see uh, how that works out. Mike Davis, who uh, incredibly is still on this team uh, and 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 threw an unbelievable chip block in that last game. Do you happen to see that? No, I didn't. No, just best chip block you ever see. It's really worth looking. He had completely knocked down a large pass rusher. I think it was Davenport, or no, it might have been number ninety. But anyway, number ninety on the Saints uh, really felt it in terms of that chip block. Uh, Tylen Wallace is a second-year player, and he should not be on this transitional list at this prob- point. But I think he is because I just don't see how he, if if he's not, if he doesn't have an opportunity now. You know why would he be? Why would he be inactive at this point? Given you have other players on the team who have no business being active.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. And he, I mean, he was seemingly active early in the year for special teams, and now that's gone away. Um, so yeah, I think. I mean, I, I don't think. Obviously, I, it depends on acquisitions, but I, he'll be here at camp next year. But beyond that, it's you know I he's you know it's going to be he's going to have to fight to make the 53. Whereas this year, you know, given it was only in his second year, he was, you know, he was pretty much guaranteed to make it. I think next year, all bets are off. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the same place. Obviously
0: that four year option value we talk about that has declining, you have a declining value in that option as you go forward and year three starts that rubber band starts to get a lot of resistance to it. Yeah. year four, it has unbelievable amount
2: of resistance. It'll probably break. Yeah. Uh, now yeah, I mean he's he may get you know as I've said a couple of times there with only five draft picks. If they had eleven draft picks, he'd be in real trouble, yeah. you know, because they're going to definitely they would definitely be drafting a wide receiver or two if they had a, a surplus of picks. But with lesser with that lesser number of picks, he, that may that may be what saves him.
0: Yeah, unbelievable though Benjamin Victor replacing him on the active fifty three. Yeah,
2: that's yeah. not a good look. I not mean for you're sure. supposed. To, you're supposed to be here for for, for uh, special teams. Benjamin Victor right. doesn't play special teams. He right. Yeah, you know, anyway. And that, them, and that cost him and that cost the elevation cost them cap space too. I mean, only fifty grand, give or take, but but that's you know, that's money that uh you'd rather have if you don't if you don't need it. But if that guy's moving up, then that says something, yeah.
0: Uh, John James, the interesting guy on the transitional list, I think he's probably gone, but do you, do you see a way that he could be back with the Ravens next year as a fourth offensive tackle?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I think the idea of him playing left tackle doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, certainly as a depth, uh, I don't think he's going to get anywhere, going to get more than a, um, you know, than a minimum salary deal. So if he wants to come back and try to fight for a roster spot and, you know, somebody gets injured. If he's the backup right tackle, but right now you have to figure Moses and Filele are your starter and backup at right tackle. Um, still need somebody to play left, but I'm not sure he's he, I'm not sure he was going to be the answer this year, uh, even before he got hurt. But I'm you know, I'm skeptical he will be. And this will be basically what three years since he's played meaningful football. Yeah, so uh, yeah, veteran minimum deal, maybe to try to fight for a spot on the 53. Uh, if they like him and he likes being here, you know, but he's not getting any, you know, any better offer than that. Yeah. All right. Well, I'd, I'd agree on all that. Uh, always a pleasure to
0: talk football with you, Brian. You're going through this and and uh, coming through it. I appreciate you spending all the time. We've been uh, making two shows over the course of about two and a half hours here. I speci- appreciate you spending your Saturday afternoon yeah. with me. No worries. This. No worries. It's always fun, Ken. And uh, always appreciate talking to another dog lover, except when I'm doing a pod. it's <minutes>. yeah, <laughs> understood. So, <yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely,
2: <laughs> uh,
0: and I'm sorry I, I couldn't get mine taken care of in the basement during I the agree. show because that would have made sense. But it uh, happens. <laughs> uh, uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. Always looking for stuff, especially during the bye week. 25 uh, minute episode is great, and I'll get back to you real quick. Uh, Brian, thanks again for coming on. Absolutely, anytime, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.
2: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early,